Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, hope you had a nice weekend. We're glad you're here. Your stool is waiting. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, anytime there's a setback in the Iranian nuclear program, we're going to celebrate that. Looks like Israel may have played a role in it. They'll never say officially, of course, but they're even dropping a couple of hints here that 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 could have been the case here. CNN uh, with the story, Israel's army chief has appeared to hint at possible Israeli involvement at an incident at the Natanz nuclear site in Iran, which was described as terrorist action by the head of Iran's atomic energy agency. Iranian officials on Sunday confirmed an incident at Natanz, an underground facility where uranium enrichment takes place. They say the incident did not cause, this is the Iranians now, uh, did not cause any human injuries or leaks. The causes of the accident are under investigation and further information will be announced later. And so uh, they're not exactly admitting what exactly happened here, although other reports are referring to it as a blackout. But uh, the chief of Israel's army said the country's, quote, operations throughout the Middle East are not hidden from the eyes of the enemies, unquote. So I'm guessing that's a little bit of a clue. So, Jim, I don't know what the significance of this setback will be, how far it sets them back. It's not exactly Stutznet. Uh, We haven't uh, necessarily seen the taking out of top Iranian nuclear scientists, all of which have Uh, been done here in the last several years. But uh, hey, anything that sets them back is good. And at a time when the U.S. is playing footsie with Iran, it's good to see at least somebody still serious about this. You know, Greg, this is the absolute best news than the spate of random traffic accidents that kept killing Iranian nuclear scientists in the past couple of years. (laughs) It's amazing how they just seem to get caught at the wrong intersection at the wrong time, random drive-by shootings. It's terrible. It's kind of like being the drummer in Spinal Tap with the Iranian nuclear program. Just (laughs) random, terrible things keep happening to these guys. Now, um, the one more intriguing uh, assessment I saw of this over the weekend was people saying, you know, we don't know who did this. It could have been the Israelis. It could have been the U.S. I mean, yeah, it's theoretically possible that the Biden administration would authorize some sort of covert uh, hacking style effort to un- uh, undermine their nuclear program to set them back a, a certain period of time. Yeah, that that could be the case, but um, come on. <laughs> does, does that seem like the sort of thing this administration, you know, if it's doing everything it can to get the Iran nuclear deal talks restarted and already indicating they're going to make concessions and John Kerry out there again, everybody in the world doing everything they can to get everybody back on the same page to restart the Iran deal that Trump blew up uh, back when once he took office, do you really think that uh, the, the Biden administration is going to go out and do cyber warfare? I mean, they, could they? Yeah, I guess. But it certainly doesn't seem in line with the rest of what the administration is doing. So, um, you know, Greg, Greg, you and I at the Three Martini Lunch, we don't have the right kind of sources to identify this. We don't know who did this. But um, come on, folks. It was the Israelis. Keep at it. It seems to be working. Keeps to uh, seems to keep uh, setting them back. I thought you were going to say, "Come on, man!" Uh, when uh, the question of what <laughs> the Biden administration. Is. We don't know who it is, but it was the Israelis. <laughs> it's like the uh, the the gif on uh, Twitter. I'm not saying it was the aliens, but uh, it was the aliens. But uh, it was the aliens. Yes. Uh, if anyone is uh, proven effective at uh, setting back the progress of the Iranian nuclear program, it is clearly the Israelis. So uh, we have no problem saying good job and keep doing it. 
All right, let's talk about our uh, sponsor here, MyPillow. Uh, I guess you can rest a little easier, hopefully, knowing that the Iranian nuclear program set back a little bit. We've talked a lot about the pillows, the sheets, the towels, but did you know there's more now? Now MyPillow has done it with the new My Slippers. My Slippers took two years to develop to ensure they're the highest in quality and comfort. And right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can get 40% off with our promo code Martini. You know, my slippers are durable all day, indoors and outdoor wear. They have beautiful leather suede, cozy faux fur linings, and they're an in, a sole designed for indoors and outdoors. They have moccasin or slip-on style. They're available in a variety of colors. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. They also have the three-tier cushioning system, and I've got a pair of my slippers now, and these things are amazing, particularly the comfort in the front of the foot. It really is extraordinarily comfortable. I'm not a slippers guy, uh, but I do enjoy wearing these, and uh, my wife and I got the moccasin style. I don't know if that constitutes cultural appropriation these days, Jim, but... uh, not apologizing for it. They're really good. Uh, they got three layers of cushioning. Uh, they got the My Pillow patented fill, so the same stuff they put in their pillows. Then the Comfort Memory Foam, and finally a patented Impact Gel, which is so so nice. And so for a limited time, My Pillow is offering forty percent off on My Slippers. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square. Enter promo code Martini or call 800-874-0104. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. You can only save 40% on the new MySlippers with promo code Martini. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, let's talk about the economy here. The Biden administration probably not attacking the Iranian nuclear program, and they're not really concerned about spending. In fact, Politico out with a story today, which is intriguing, with a lot of folks on the right, ourselves included, but uh, other folks as well, of course, saying that Joe Biden is risking runaway inflation with all this spending, $2 trillion almost on COVID relief. Now he wants more than $2 trillion on infrastructure, and that's just phase one of infrastructure. And who knows what else he's going to try and uh, ram through here in the next year or so. Uh, Republicans and others are saying, look, uh, runaway inflation is going to be a major problem here. Do you really want that on your legacy? And Politico says Biden is betting on history as his defense. It says the U.S. experienced punishing double-digit inflation starting in 1974, and it stayed high through the early 80s, dragging down growth and eventually sparking two crippling recessions. But the seeds were planted in the mid-1960s during Lyndon Johnson's free spending administration and were fostered along the way by extraordinary events like Arab oil embargoes and federal policy missteps. Now Biden administration officials, economists, and even Federal Reserve Chair uh, Jerome Powell say this time is different. So the alarm's being sounded here. Uh, and Joe Biden, the responsible guy, the guy you can count on, Jim, his administration's opinion and stand on this seems to be, well, yeah, there could be runaway inflation, but, you know, I'll probably be gone by then. So that's going to be somebody else's problem. Yeah, three little kind of details to add to this, Greg. The first is that on Wednesday, we're supposed to get a speech from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal now, and it says that he's likely to maintain that the central bank's mantra on inflation, that any upward pressure on consumer prices from fiscal stimulus, quote, will be neither particularly large nor persistent. Now, I don't know if he's going to literally whistle past a graveyard, but that certainly sounds like it. (laughs) Now, obviously, you know, Jerome Powell's a smart guy. Maybe there's no problem, but it's interesting that other people don't feel the same way. Uh, Federal Reserve Bank of New York has issued a new 
Uh, just this morning, a new survey that said that uh, you know the, the consumer expect, expects inflation to be at 3.2% a year from now, 3.1% three years from now, and both of them are up from last month. And the Wall Street Journal editorial board kind of lays out this really, you know, making this argument of like, look, this is this is you know now reaching the point where you can't quite hand wave it away. Um, the U.S. on Friday reported a rise of one percent in consumer prices for March, which is double what the economists predicted. Prices are up four point two percent in the past year, and goods prices are up seven percent. Now, is some of this related to the constraint of supply and goods during the pandemic last year? And that was all of a sudden there's an oversupply, which means there's more purchasing. Yeah, yeah, okay, this, we're going to be working through some really unusual set of circumstances because of the pandemic. But that having been said, if the government is pumping out money into the economy and the, the official attitude of the administration is that we really don't have to worry about deficit spending anymore. We really don't have to worry about the debt anymore. We are just going to spend whatever we feel is an appropriate amount, and we're not going to worry that much about paying for it later or how much we're borrowing. Well, then, yeah, you're going to get inflation. You're going to get the idea of too much money chasing too little goods. Uh, that does, at least, you know, the traditional understanding of economics and probably the most dangerous words in economics are certainly in investing in stocks. Is, but this time it's different because historical patterns do tend to come back over and over again. Look, I don't know exactly what's, you know, what's going to happen in the economy in the next 12 months. 24 months, 36 months. But I do think the idea of a president whose attitude towards, you know, a, the, the long-term consequences of his policies is, eh, I'm not going to be around here to worry about it, either in the I won't be in office sense or in the I won't be around on this earth sense. Uh, that doesn't really strike me as a particularly good uh, philosophy for a leader to have. You're supposed to be leading for the long term, not just for the short term. And the idea of, eh, if there's any real bad inflation, it'll happen after I'm out of office. Uh, well, those of us who still have to live in this country after he's out of office shouldn't feel reassured at all. Now, now, the one thing I do like about this, I think it's the first time anyone in the mainstream media has ever said anything bad about Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society. Yeah, it did lead to a <laughs> lot of problems that we're uh, still paying for. We got entitlement programs that are so far in the red, they're hopelessly in the red. And uh, yeah, the economy that was in, in the dumper from the mid-1970s to the early 80s uh, definitely was uh, connected to that. And of course, uh, it took a good supply cider like uh, President Reagan to get us out of that situation. So... Jim, the only thing I can say to Jerome Powell is, is I would encourage him to act more like his distant cousin, Al Powell, and just tell the truth, regardless of what the people ahead of you think. Uh, I wish I had a quote handy, but no, I don't. But yes, you know, maybe this will all end with inflation taking human form. And then when we least expect it, Jerome Powell will shoot it dead. <laughs> exactly. He should go into the Oval Office and say, why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling? But, uh, <laughs> Anyway. Doesn't seem like Jerome. That's not his style. <laughs> not his style, perhaps. All right. Well, uh, look, the Biden administration is not interested in saving any money, but you can when it comes to your car and homeowner's insurance. And when you're looking at those areas of your budget, don't we deserve better, perhaps, than what we've got right now? I know I do, and so do you. I put my policy to the test and turn to Gabby, which literally stands for Get a Better Insurance. Getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same insurance coverage. Who knew something like this existed? But they are the one true comparison platform with real rates. They give you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers, and it's all in one place. You use your current insurance information to get started, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have, and it's free to use. 
Everything Jim said right there is exactly right. It's free to use, and it's really quick. Uh, you just go to Gabby.com. You put in some uh, very obvious, easy information. You link to your existing policy, and boom, you see what other insurance companies are offering for auto and home insurance uh, for the exact same coverage that you're getting, and then you decide what to do with that information. Gabby customers save $961 per year on average, and they'll never sell your information. So those things you enter... You're not going to get called about it with spam or robocalls. So put your policy to the test, like I did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check, and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. One more time, Gabby.com slash martini. All right, Jim. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a while now since Kamala Harris was put in charge of the border challenge by President Biden. And uh, since that public event at the White House, I don't think she's at least done anything publicly about it. She hasn't been to the border. She hasn't held a press conference, hasn't, as far as I know, assembled a team. We do know that the White House border czar has hit the bricks already from this administration. Uh, But here's what Miranda Devine is writing over at the New York Post. It's humiliating for the president that almost three weeks since he's appointed Kamala Harris as his border point woman, she still hasn't visited the disaster zone, come up with a plan, or held a press conference on the migrant crisis. Instead, she's visited a water treatment plant in California and a bakery in Chicago, where the press pool reported on her sweet tooth last week. Quote, her favorite is German chocolate, and she gets that for her birthday each year, and her staff had pre-ordered a slice for her. The bakery's specialty is caramel cake, and she said she was looking forward to that too, unquote. So, Jim, clearly the pool press focused on the things that really, really matter when covering the vice president of the United States. But uh, I think a lot of folks saw her at the airport that time, and a reporter asked her if she was going to the border, and she said, not today, (laughs) but maybe I'll go back at some point. And so, I mean, we saw what happened when the the, the kids with cages narrative uh, began there with the Trump administration. It was a wall-to-wall drumbeat all day long. Now that it's a Democratic administration, even though the problem way worse, we get this kind of kid glove treatment and a vice president who's clearly not serious about the challenge. First of all, Greg, I want to salute you on your, your pretty good Kamala Harris giggle right there. Um, by the way, and also I must correct you, though, they are not cages anymore. They are, they're housing facilities. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's the official right. terminology. Now. Um, yeah, so... It was always intriguing when when Biden announced that. What was that going to entail for Kamala Harris? What were what was she you know one what was she going to do and and was you know what and apparently it meant not much. Uh, we as you said we've not seen much in terms of a public uh, uh, you know address on this from Harris. Certainly hasn't done a Q and A. Um, when you describe the questions she's getting on her birthday shopping and favorite ice cream flavor and all that kind of stuff, it reminded me of the time that very early in her presidential campaign. Some reporters went on like a shopping trip with her, and it just seemed like you know, you know, girls' weekend out. It was just like unbelievably uh, gushy and and kind and soft focus, and you know, not someone you expect to be either running for president or now a heartbeat away from the presidency. And oh, by the way, nothing on the border has really changed in the last couple of weeks. The numbers from Customs and Border Protection keep getting worse, and as I noted over the weekend. The border czar, Roberta S. Jacobson, who's technically you know, focusing on border issues on the National Security Council, they announced she's going to step down at the end of the month. Now, if you feel like the Biden presidency just got started, yeah, and that she actually was not you know, in place at inauguration, you know, got into the job around January, and we're not even to 100 days, and she's announcing she's going to leave at, you know, after, uh, at the end of April. And apparently, at least the Biden team is insisting this was always the plan, and in no way, shape, or form does it, you know, uh, 
uh, reflect the fact that there's a problem at the border, that we have way more people than we uh, know how to handle or take care of or can adequately house, and and you know that there's basically a widespread belief all across Central America that the United States border is open, and that apparently we're running a daycare facility because they keep sending on our you know, unaccompanied children up to the border into dangerous places, and you know, the Customs and Border Protection has to run around and trying to rescue them. Um, no, no, it's all perfectly fine. Now, I went back and I checked because you know Jacobson did some interviews. There were a bunch of articles written when she took over. Greg, none of these articles had any indication this was a 100-day job. This was the best-kept secret in the entire Biden administration. There was no indication that this was... So it's really strange. You know, why would you decide to step into a job for, you know, 16 Scaramucci units, uh, which is about 100 <laughs> days? Yeah. Um, to me, this does not make an explanation make much sense at all, that this is, in fact, some... Either Jacobson looks at this and says, wow, this is a mess. I'd better get out of here before I become the, the, the scapegoat. Or maybe she's already become the scapegoat and she's effectively falling on her sword. Maybe somebody else in the administration thinks she's doing a really bad job, isn't effectively pushing her out. I, I, you know, the, the idea that you'd step into this, have an absolute disaster, like even if, you, let's say, you you intended to leave after 100 days, would you leave now? Does this seem like a good time to say, well, my work here is done? Oh, no, of course not. You've just had the worst month for border detention the last 20 years. Like what on earth, how are you? So here's the thing, it's not just that the Biden administration has a failing policy. It's not just they keep trying to gaslight us into you know saying this isn't a failing policy all the times that Biden has insisted this was normal seasonal migrational increases and nothing to worry about, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when somebody quits, they can't even acknowledge that. And the next fair question is, does, is putting Kamala Harris in charge of something a synonym for doing nothing about it? Because as far as we can tell, I can't, neither you nor I, even if we didn't like this administration or, or oppose this administration, like what has Kamala Harris done in the past two, three weeks on this issue? As far as we can tell, nothing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And of course, just because you're not doing anything publicly doesn't mean something's not happening behind the scenes. But uh, she's certainly made no effort to provide updates on this. Uh, nobody's asking her about it. So obviously it's not as big of a priority as uh, as we would like it to be. And she's clearly not treating it as one based on what we can tell. Let's talk real briefly, Jim, before we go about uh, Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw, Republican congressman from the Houston area of Texas. Uh, we've liked him from pretty much the get-go uh, as he was running for Congress, and now I believe he's been elected to two terms. Uh, he announced just a couple of days ago that he is undergoing a procedure because his retina on the eye that still works, is still good, is detaching. Uh, he calls it a terrifying prognosis for someone with one eye. He's going to be undergoing surgery if he hasn't already. And for a number of weeks, uh, he's going to be blinded in that eye as well. So obviously blinded entirely, at least temporarily. Uh, they have to inject some sort of gas bubble. So he has to lie face down for days on end and to let this do its work and, and then hopefully heal. And so it's it's a dicey situation. Uh, he This is all connected to the same uh, injury back in 2012 that, that, that took out his other eye and uh, is now uh, causing damages with this eye. So obviously, not only because we, we like the guy, but because uh, of his service to our country and we just want the guy to be healthy, be able to see, uh, we, we hope that everything comes out well and uh, we'll be praying for him in the days and weeks ahead. Indeed, Greg. You hate to see it happen to anybody. You really hate to see it happen to a guy as great as uh, Congressman Crenshaw. Hopefully he makes a quick recovery and is back to normal as soon as possible. But uh, just know we're, we're thinking of him, we're praying for him, and uh, 
hopefully this is just a temporary blip on a what looks to be a very promising, long and successful career in politics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great, uh, great uh, service to our country, both in uniform and now out of uniform. So, uh, Congressman Crenshaw, get well. Uh, Jim, we'll call time there. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please do subscribe to the Three Martini Launch podcast. We're extraordinarily grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Tell your friends about us as well. Also, let them know that you can uh, listen on your home device. All you have to say is play Three Martini Launch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday. And please join us Tuesday for the next Three Martini Launch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.